This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Ah, yes, my friends. It is the time-tested tradition of me not turning on my microphone for Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. Good morning, Joseph. Just incredible. Incredible watching you through the Zoom return. Lips flapping away. <laughs> sweat on the brow. Lots of excitement. Hey, Nobody I'm not can hear anything. Yet. I am not sweating yet. I will let you know when I am sweating. <laughs> Chances are I will not have to let you know when I am sweating. I am not sweating. I will demand satisfaction in that regard when it's not happening. Because when it's you, so rare. When you start the open to the show and the mic isn't on or any other segment, because I've been through this before as well, yeah. and, and you realize like, I don't know, 10 seconds in, it's not on, and then you have to hit the button and basically start over. Do you feel like you've completely wasted those 10 seconds in terms of a really great high energy introduction that you now have to repeat? And it's like, eh, I just don't have the energy to do this again. Yeah, listen. <laughs> that was I, it. It was a one shot deal. I, I do not have it again. Oh, let me resummon it and see. <laughs> Let's dig deep, Carlin, because we got to start this on the right level. <laughs> oh, my God. At 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776, Chris Carlin, Joe Fortenbaugh, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app. Thrilled to be with you. Uh, first and foremost, I just want to make sure that you know that it, I am really going the extra mile in summoning this energy because I was woken up at 5 a.m. this morning by my wife, who had been woken up at 4 a.m. by our dog. And uh, at 5 a.m., my wife taps me on the shoulder uh, from the Bay Area, born and bred, and she says, by the way, the Sharks won. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, that could have gone so many different directions. She is keeping receipts on you, buddy boy. I, For those listening who are unaware of what we're talking about, going into last night's game against my beloved Flyers, the Sharks were 0-10-1 on the season. Worst team in the NHL by every metric. The two previous games, they had been outscored 20-3. to 20 to 3 in two hockey games. Pizza money yesterday. We had two bets on the Flyers to handle their business. Congratulations to the Sharks on their first win. Congratulations to me personally for halting that losing streak. <laughs> I took a bath it. on that. It, it, see, that's the, it's one thing. This is where gambling really gets you. The financial punishment of a loss is one thing. Yeah. But then to have everyone's comments. That's an entirely yeah. different thing. You People really have been get, lining up on you today. You, you know, really get busted PSG up on pick. two fronts. Yeah. Yeah, the PSG pick yesterday as well. That's You're trying disaster. to go off the board, little Premier League. Uh, did you take PSG or was it the other? Uh, who were they playing? I don't know. They played AC Milan. Okay, so here's another streak I halted. Uh, I played the under two and a half goals in PSG AC Milan. Milan had not scored a single goal in three group matches in the Champions League. They scored two goals yesterday. Two, to put it over the total. So I'm halting streaks everywhere. Let me tell you right now, if you are a high school football coach or player anywhere in this country and you guys are on a cold streak right now, call the show. I'll pick against you. I'll get you a win this weekend. I will personally get you a win this weekend by picking against you. It's amazing. It's amazing. God bless you for it. Making us all money one way or another. Yeah. Carlin versus Joe. <laughs> Joe, uh... You know, this Michigan thing is just not going away anytime soon. And it continues to kind of grow. And we have the very latest. Uh, basically, what's going on right now is Michigan is in a position 
where the Big Ten is waiting to hear back from them. This is from Pete Thamel. Uh, they expect a response from Michigan on the notice of discipline being a possibility by the end of the day today. They don't expect any ruling by the Big Ten to come today because they're going to let that marinate a little bit for a day or so. Adam Rittenberg checking in with uh, reminding everybody that the league's sportsmanship policy, which would be the policy under which Michigan or Jim Harbaugh is punished here, states discipline is not subject to appeal. So they cannot appeal it if he gets suspended here for two games. It would start immediately. You know, Joe, there's been a lot of debate over the last few days as to how Michigan should be punished in all of this. Let's be very clear. Michigan, the school, Michigan, the players, they should not be punished in any of this. They didn't do any of this. Jim Harbaugh is the only one that should be punished in all of it. Because you know why, Joe? College football, when it comes to these programs and how they're run, they're not democracies. They're monarchies. In some cases, they're dictatorships. And when it boils down to it, coaches know everything that is going on in their play in their programs when it comes to their staff. And Jim Harbaugh, when he comes out the other day and says, you know what, I nobody likes to be criticized, but if the criticism is coming my way instead of my players and everybody else, I'm good with that. We hear coaches after the games, hey, it's on me, right? They always say, it's on me. Jim, it's on you. I'm I'm struggling with this one because you're right. I don't disagree with any of that. Harbaugh's the king for all intents and purposes in Ann Arbor. It's it's all going to land on him one way or another. I don't care if he knew or he didn't know. If he didn't know, that's almost as bad. How did you not know this was going on? This didn't, doesn't seem like an isolated incident where some guy showed up with an iPhone at a Rutgers game to quote to uh, throw your team in there. Mm. Um, it, it's it's not like that's it. It's like, oh, okay, Harbaugh didn't know this one guy on this one time against this one team went and did this with an iPhone. This seems pretty in-depth, which means if it's going on over a long period of time and involves quite a bit of work, you would have to imagine that if you didn't know about that, that's a problem in and of itself. When it comes to the punishment, you're right. It should land on Harbaugh. You don't want to punish the institution or especially the players who had nothing to do with it because we see these situations happen like at Arizona State, right? Arizona State gets nailed with a bunch of infractions for everything that was going on there. Well, the guilty parties are all gone. And now yeah. it's the new coaching staff and the players who are left to, le- left to suffer that. You know, similar at USC when Pete Carroll left. Like, it was that was on Pete Carroll. But he gets to go to the NFL, and then the institution and the players who had nothing to do with it get punished. But I also think to myself, if you create a scenario in which infractions like this only punish the head coach, think about the incentives for a head coach who's in, like, the last year of his deal to go out put together as big a cheating scandal as he can. And if it works and he gets away with it, great, he gets a new contract. And if it doesn't work and he gets caught, he's the only one punished. He was on his way out the door anyway. The institution doesn't suffer. The players don't suffer. And then boom, it almost like would encourage it, right? Like the the stricter the penalty, the more the deterrent. Like you and I aren't going to wrap this show and go rob a bank because robbing a bank isn't a $50 fine. Otherwise, we'd all be out there trying to do it. 
robbing a bank carries serious penalties, which is what deters us from doing that. So it's very difficult to try to assess how you want to punish, but punishment needs to be handed out. And I don't know, this two games thing, this is the other thing. So, all right, two games coming from the Big Ten, they apparently have enough evidence where they can levy a two-game suspension, but then like that could happen for Harbaugh, and then the NCAA is going to get involved and it's going to be a whole other thing. I almost want everyone to get together figure it out, and then levy the punishment. I don't need 12 different punishments from 15 different governing bodies over the course of two and a half years. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, listen, I totally get that. And I I think that's completely fair. But some of the things that are coming out of this as far as how people are now treating Michigan and how they're now treating some of their players are just unfair. Greg Doyle of the Indianapolis Star owes me a dollar, okay? You know why he owes me a dollar? Why is that? Because I had to pay a dollar to go read his story today. (laughs) <laughs> where he is opining and and letting everyone know that as a Heisman voter, J.J. McCarthy will not be on his ballot this year. Okay. okay. And he says, listen, J.J. didn't do anything wrong, but it's the principle of this, and it's how we got here, and it's the very first line of the integrity of the Heisman Trophy and all that stuff. No, I am not holding it against this kid. Don't tell me how it's not fair to those other kids, to Michael Penix or anybody else, because... The cheating aspect of it, trying to break down signals, all this stuff, happens everywhere, Joe, all the time. That's not the point. The point is the level to which this coach went. I'm not holding that against J.J. McCarthy. I got to tell you, I've seen him in person. I've seen him play a lot. He is a damn good quarterback, and he does not deserve to be punished for that. The team, Michigan, is the most talented team in the entire conference, and I can tell you a lot of people – Look at this like, wait, you really had to do this when you had the best team overall? Like, what are you doing? Why should those guys be punished and be held out of the college football playoff for this? That's silly to me. Well, complete agreement on the Heisman aspect of it. I see where Doyle's coming from, but come on, man. How old is McCarthy? He's not a professional. I know they've got NIL deals now, but we're going we're gonna to hammer him and his and accolades and his future for what Harbaugh is doing. To be like, fair with he, Greg, he wasn't hammering the kid, but he's hammering the entire system and how it's benefiting him right now versus other guys. He's hammering the kid. If he's if he's going to yeah. not vote for the kid strictly because of what Harbaugh and Michigan are up to, that's hammering the kid. That's uh, the kid catching the fallout, right? Like well, that's listen, the sh- Yeah, I mean, I've got a Heisman vote and I can honestly tell you right now, I'm not keeping anybody off of that based on any of this. Absolutely not. You sit there and you assess it within the Heisman. I'm just like you. I have a Heisman vote as well. I'm going to play it within the guidelines like I do every single year, and I'm going to assess it the way the organization asks you to assess it. That's your job, right? If you're going to sign up for the job to be a voter, you got to do it the right way. If that's what Doyle believes, that's what Doyle believes, but I wouldn't be punishing someone like J.J. McCarthy for this. I understand that maybe because of the sign stealing. You know, how much of it is the defensive signs, by the way? I thought we were stealing the offensive signs. Like every, <laughs> I'm sure that they've been stealing both, right? But the focal point point here when we go back and look at that Ohio State video is Ohio State's offense on the field Ohio State quarterback CJ Stroud looking to the sideline and then when the play gets signaled in we see the Michigan sideline in the background all signaling to the defense what's coming so how much is McCarthy benefiting from it I'm sure they're stealing defensive signs as well but I was under the impression more of this was based on the opponent's offensive side so you could figure out a way to get some stops Uh, yeah I, I and it it usually is it's to me it's it's mind-boggling that we're at this point, but it's not even the most 
egregious thing that's happened in the last 24 hours on it. And we get to that in just moments. We want you to be a part of the Carlin versus Joe Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Call us at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776, ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. And then there is what another Big Ten school did against Michigan and why some think that that is just as bad. Spoiler alert, it's not. It's next <laughs> on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. I think we will know sooner than later because Michigan Athletic Director Ward Manuel is on the College Football Playoff Selection Committee and he did not go. I don't understand trying to suspend Jim Harbaugh right now if we don't know that the entire investigation has been completed. You're taking away an opportunity to play in the postseason for 18 to 23 year old guys who have an eligibility clock that started. They might only get one more shot yeah. to make a run at a national championship. I would find Jim Harbaugh to death, but I would not punish the players. I would not punish the team. It is, it is absolutely nuts what's going on right now. It's Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio on Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Joe, the other flip side of this from yesterday was when Adam Rittenberg and Tom Van Haren reported that the Big Ten received documents from Michigan that UM say show that Ohio State, Rutgers, and Purdue communicated about UM signals in 2022. Docs show that Purdue, which faced UM in the Big Ten championship game, got offensive signals from Ohio State and defensive signals from Rutgers. First of all, I want to make sure everybody knows that where I'm coming from is right down the middle. In no way am I influenced by any relationship. Uh-huh. Hang on a second here. 
Uh huh. Probably take this down. Huh? Yeah, the Rutgers helmet in the background. Oh, oh, there's me calling games in a Rutgers shirt. Right. Video there. of you calling Rutgers games. Yeah, this should be a real above board conversation here. Right down the middle. No, honestly, I'm gonna get I, basically in this situation. You're Harbaugh and I'm McCarthy. I'm gonna get dragged <laughs> into this thing. I'm just out here trying to make plays. I'm gonna get dragged into it. And Doyle's gonna have an article about how I shouldn't win a Marconi because of you. <laughs> well, there are two things here <laughs> at work. Uh, number one. The idea that is out there from guys like Dan Wetzel from Yahoo, who say that that sharing signals from Rutgers and Ohio State to Purdue in preparation for the championship game uh, is the same thing as what went on here. Well, no, no, it's not. Let's be clear about a couple of things. If that happened, it is not the same thing because neither is illegal as far as I know right now, as far as I've been told by anybody else. And I've talked to people inside of Rutgers, talked to people outside everywhere here, a few different places, and gotten a feel none of that is anything that's illegal according to the rules because it happens all the time amongst coaches. Coaches have friends and communities. They're, and they're preparing for games. They're going to do everything they can to get as much as they can there. This is not illegally walking into a building, which you're, it's explicitly says in rules you can't do. It's also not taping what's going on. Now, I understand that anything I say here on this is going to be taken with, I don't know, about a pound and a half of salt. But let's be real here. This is nowhere close to the same thing as what Michigan did, and let's be clear, this is Harbaugh. Nothing against the University of Michigan at all. This is Harbaugh and his people there deflecting as to what go- has gone on. Hand in the cookie jar. Oh, well, I, I, Billy had one too, and he, he actually had two. So you should punish him. Nah, see, no, that's not the way this works. It's classic whataboutism, right? Yes. That's what our country goes through all the time right now. We, we, we point out an issue we have, and then the individuals who are creating that issue, well, what about this? What about that? Well, yeah, there are all, all types of problems. We're not talking about those right now. We're talking about you. Now, Michigan wants to point this out to hopefully deflect a little bit. I mean, in terms of it being the same thing, can anyone show me the Purdue version of Connor Stallions? Please produce him. Yeah. And if you produce him, then I'll start to take this seriously in terms of putting these on the same same playing field. But there's having two beers, and then there's having 25 beers. There's a difference. Both people are drinking, but the guy consuming the 25 beers is creating a hell of a lot more risk and a hell of a lot more of an issue than the guy drinking the two beers. There's levels to this, as they say. So Michigan might be pointing out individuals who are creating or causing or violating in some way, shape, or form some of these rules to a lesser degree, but that doesn't change the fact that the degree to which they're being accused of cheating is far more serious. Produce the Connor Stallions at Purdue, produce the Connor Stallions at Ohio State, and then I'll start to take those claims seriously. Until then, we're focused on you, and then we'll look elsewhere. But I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up the famous Jerry Tarkanian quote, right? The former Mm. coach at UNLV. Nine out of 10 schools are cheating. The other one is in last place. (laughs) And again, that just rings so true in a situation like this when Michigan tries to point out everybody else and what's happening elsewhere. It feels like it's just common to try to steal signals. They just went too far. But to your original point on 
uh, guys and teams sharing signals. I mean, when, when you go for a coaching job in the NFL, like a head coaching job, one of the first things the hiring parties want to know, what's your Rolodex, right? Yeah. Who's in your Rolodex? And they ask that because they want to know what kind of contacts you have around the league, what kind of information you can get, what's your network look like, what, what relationships have you built up? You don't think Rob Ryan and Rex Ryan would talk, right? That used to be a great handicapping angle. If the Jets had played somebody the Saints were going to play, you love the idea of Rob Ryan talking to Rex Ryan and getting the complete download of information heading into that game. You don't think when Jim Harbaugh was in San Francisco and John's in Baltimore, those two are talking? No, of course that stuff happens. But the problem here is that Michigan went too far. They went too far with the violations. They went too far with the sloppiness. It was too egregious. It's as we've said countless times on this show, they are banging the trash can. Yep. Everyone in baseball was stealing signs. They're the ones banging on the trash can. Uh, it's listen. It's absolutely the case. And again, I, I'm, for me, I'm holding the head coach responsible because when you get inside these college football programs, there's one guy who calls the shots on everything, and if he doesn't know about something. He wink, wink knows about it. He just doesn't want the direct knowledge of it so that he can have somebody to pin it on on the way out the door, a la Connor Stallions. And I, I, just as a brief example, okay, before we get to a couple of calls on this. The other day, Rutgers playing Ohio State. The Rutgers quarterback comes up to the line of scrimmage and barks out an audible. Three or four guys on the Ohio State defensive line immediately kind of stand up and kind of start pointing to the right. And Rutgers ran a play to the right side. People are stealing signs all the time. That's not illegal if you're doing it, you know, across from somebody on the field. It's the degree to which you go to try to do it as you have brilliantly laid out. Let's hit Ed in Michigan on ESPN Radio. Ed, what do you got to say about all this? Hey, you know what? Here's the, here's the problem. Any student athlete that's in trouble is immediately taken off the team. It is time for show cause to be put in effect with Jim Harbaugh. He's tried to skirt every gray area since he got to Michigan, and the NCAA doesn't have any pair at all if they don't come down a little harder on him. You don't have to discipline the team or the players, but you have to hammer Jim Harbaugh. Uh, listen, I think if all of that is true, that that's for later. That's for when the NCAA, Joe, has all of their direct uh, information based on their lengthy investigation at that point. I'm curious about one thing, and I, I, I'm not saying these are parallels. They're just scandals. It's very different. But when Jose Canseco blew the lid off of steroid use in baseball, a lot of changes were made. Now that we're blowing the lid off of this sign-stealing situation in college football and Michigan's pointing out everyone else who's doing it, do you think we're headed for some big changes on that front as well? I don't know. I don't know because I think it's kind of like with that kind of stuff in steroids and all that stuff. You can't tell me like there aren't more things going on in all of professional sports now to get an edge and they're just trying to beat testing and all that kind of stuff, right? Right, right. I, I have to assume stuff's going on because stuff has been going on for hundreds of years or hundred years at least in all of these sports. Everybody trying to get an edge. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Sample has a first down to the 10. The pass for the pylon. He's in. Touchdown. Bengals. Let the record show that in the head-to-head competition between Joe Burrow and Josh Allen, it is Burrow 2, Allen nothing. Bengals win. They're fourth in a row, beating the Bills tonight by the final score of 24-18. to These are the stages they want to be on. They don't shy away from them. The team was ready for the environment. Our fans were ready for this environment. It is amazing the Bengals are doing this again. Again, climbing out of an 0-2 hole. Again, very much right back in the mix across the board and doing it against a not-so-easy schedule. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Andrew Hawkins, ESPN NFL analyst, joins us every week at this time, and he joins us right now. Hawk, halfway through this point in the season, uh, halfway through the season right now, who is... The M- uh, who is the MVP? Who is the best team in the AFC? Uh, I would say it's the Baltimore Ravens. Um, the Baltimore Ravens have been the most consistent, you know, throughout throughout the season this year. I mean, you can make a real case very easily that they should be undefeated to this point. And the reason why they're so good is the same reason why the best team in the NFC is so good. They're built the right way. They're built in the trenches, incredible in on the offensive and defensive line, and then that gives you the luxury to develop everything around you. And as we've watched their offense and Lamar Jackson and how he's operating that offense, while the numbers might not wow you, when you watch these games, they're getting better little by little every week, and they're extremely efficient, and they are playing as a unit to where the responsibility for offensive production doesn't solely rest on Lamar's shoulders. Okay, Hawk, that's a great answer because when asking what we've seen so far, who the best team is, Ravens are right up there. Now, let's project out, and let's get to the playoffs. Do you think they'll be the best team in the AFC by the end of the season, by the time we get to the Super Bowl? And and I know injuries are a risk. I'm not worried about that. But we've seen Baltimore Mm -hmm. have great regular seasons before. But stringing three games a row in the playoffs together has been very difficult for them because, as we know, they are capable of duds like the Colts and Steelers games they showed us earlier in the season. Yeah, and I think that, like, you can't really judge them based off the previous Ravens teams you've seen because they are built differently. They're operating differently systematically across the board. Like, they have an offense, again, just in the system in and of itself that gives you more versatility for situation. I think previously they've been really good. And, you know, to your point, my biggest concern with them is injury, as it always is with their team. But even in those moments where they did get into the playoffs and they couldn't string together those that run that we, you know, all would expect from really getting NFL team, it's because the offense is it was solely rested on Lamar's shoulder. It's not built like that anymore. And if the the the, the young running back Keaton Mitchell, if if he is legit, 
as the home run hitter that we saw a week ago, that didn't give them another element that they were missing in the absence of J.K. Dobbins. So the receivers are starting to really evolve into the system. Obviously, Mark Andrews is a staple in what they're doing, and, and Lamar Jackson is not getting outside of himself to do things that maybe we previously saw him do. He's still running the football, but it is a lot more designed. Um, it is a lot more systematic. And, you know, again, he, he is massively running the offense that Monk can put into place because he is staying within that system, and it, it is ultimately making their foundation more solid um, and, again, making them progress little by little each week. Andrew Hawkins, ESPN NFL analyst, joining Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. All right, you got Burrow, you got Lamar, you got Jalen Hurts, Mahomes, Hurts, and Lamar all near the top of the MVP odds right now. Who's been your MVP through the first nine weeks? Ah, man, that's a tough one. Um, Who has been my MVP through the first nine weeks? All those options are really good. Um, I would probably give the edge to Lamar. To, to be honest, again, just from a consistency standpoint, he's been there. The numbers aren't wowing you, and stats are a big part of it. You know, but when you're watching the games, I mean, he really does look like a different player. It's the evolution and the maturation that everyone wondered um, could take place with the right play caller and the right system, and he's done that. Now, this is projecting out a little bit. You have to take some continue the trajectory that he's been on through the rest of the season for that to be the case. Um but the, the other the other options have just been too sporadic for me um, to, to give them to give them that nod. Whereas Lamar again is it's more systematic, but he's done it rushing and passing pretty equally throughout the first half of the season. So Carlin and I were talking before this show about the AFC. We were structuring some tiers, and we kind of see Kansas City, Baltimore, and Cincinnati all together right now as as that top tier. You may disagree with that. That's okay. We're not telling everyone that this is how it is. It's just what we were thinking during the pre-show meeting. But then we got to Jacksonville and Miami, and we put them right behind them. And then we started discussing which of those two teams has the better chance of leveling up by the end of the season, the Dolphins or the Jaguars? Man, I feel like it's the Dolphins. I think it's the Dolphins. Um, They have some questions that they have to answer offensively. And even though they lost last week, they're similar to the, the Dallas Cowboys. There are no more victories um, in the NFL. But I think that they did kind of show that they have the ability to, to, to battle back. I think Jalen Ramsey being in the lineup also changes the, the fabric of that defense. Um, so I think Fangio doesn't want his corners to travel. You saw they didn't do that against Stephon Diggs, and it hurt him immensely in that game. Well, now you have Jalen on one side, Davian Howard on the other side. So it gives them a lot of stability there, which is on full display versus the Chiefs. With this bye week, if the Dolphins can kind of continue their innovation in their offense, specifically of um, you know how how they have answers to when Tua can't get the ball out of his hands quickly, um, then I, I I think they're actually going to be more dangerous in the back half than they were in the first. Hawk, last one. We uh, heard this from Jeff Saturday yesterday. We were talking about it. Joe has brought it up a little bit. Where Peyton Manning was notorious at Pro Bowls for sticking young players with bills unbeknownst to them, having things charged to their room, <laughs> stuff like that. I'm wondering, your time in the league, what was the biggest bill that you ever got stuck with, either as a young player or as a player? 
Uh, biggest bill I ever got stuck with. Whew. I don't know, man. I was I was a wise player. I knew all the tricks of the trade. My brother played in the league 10 years. And so I understood the timing of when to leave before the bill come. I could sniff it out every time. So I don't have a, a specific instance where I was stuck with a bill. I kind of came in because I'd already played a couple years in Canada as the older player in, uh, in the receiver room, which was interesting. And so what, the worst part was me getting stuck with getting the whole receiver group Christmas gifts as a quote-unquote veteran when I'm actually a rookie. Um, but I was the oldest one. so See, that just sounds <laughs> like you were trying to play on both sides there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Hawk. Appreciate it. No problem, guys. I, I want to hear somebody who's gotten stuck with like a $35,000 dinner bill. We need a first-round rookie. We do. That's what we need. We need a first-round rookie. Yeah. A lot of times, I, I worked with the great Lorenzo Neal in um, – in San Francisco, he yeah. told some great stories about when he was with the Chargers, how they would get the rookies when they would go out. Anyone familiar with San Diego, I think they would go to Donovan's, which yeah. is an outstanding steakhouse there. But what they would do is they would really run the bill up. I mean, run this thing up just to scare the rookies. And then ultimately they would end up kicking in and they'd only stick them with so much. Because they're ordering, what's the what's the really expensive famous booze? Louis Louis the Eighth, Louis the Thirteenth? Oh yeah. Yeah, something like Louis the Fourteenth, I, I think. Yeah, I apologize if I don't have that right. I know there's yeah. people driving right now going, Oh my god, what's wrong with Fortinball? But yeah. it, at least you get the point of what I'm getting at. But yeah, they would go all out, scare the hell out of the rookies, and then the rookie would pick up a portion of it, but the vets would kick in as well. Okay, so apparently it's Louis the Thirteenth. Evan just Googled it. I thought right. it was the Fourteenth. I've listened clearly. I've never purchased it. And wouldn't... I mean, you and I getting that wrong is not something that should surprise anybody. Exactly. You need I the mean, price of a nice Coors Light. I got that for you. I right can tell you how to spell. My... I can absolutely tell you how to spell Schlitz. You know, <laughs> Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. <laughs> we are presented by Progressive Insurance. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. One NFL head coach has, quite frankly, run out of answers to defend his quarterback. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Couples two, a fuse three. Yep. A Rushmore is four. I'm wearing this. It's going to be a few fortnights. It'll be a few fortnights. The idea of coming back in a few weeks is extremely far-fetched according to anyone whose medical knowledge and opinion I have spoken to and respect. He's talked about there are markers that I have to hit. You don't have to be a brain surgeon to know he hasn't hit those markers. And he knows he's not going to hit those markers to be out on the football field. I love the way Graziano put it in there to people I have spoken to or to medical professionals I've spoken to and respect. As far as the ones I don't respect, they say he'll be back next week. Dr. Nick Riviera. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Uh, Aaron Rodgers and his wizardry that is continuing to blow the minds of medical professionals all over the world as he has figured it out and that we'll have him back in six weeks now, uh, reportedly. Well, I shouldn't say reportedly, that he hints at, that he just dances around on the Pat McAfee show. But 
leaves it up there for hope for everybody, only to crush everyone's dreams at the end when he doesn't come back. But the sillier question right now regarding the Jets is the guy who's playing in his place. I, You know I have tried. I, Dear God, I have tried to sell the idea that Zach Wilson could help keep the Jets afloat. And you see all of the defensive numbers that they had the other night, keeping a team under 250 yards of total offense and you know doing all the things that they did only to still lose by 20 points to the Chargers was just mind-bogglingly bad. Robert Sala yesterday on the Michael K Show in New York asked about the possibility of tra- of playing Trevor Simeon, who they brought in a few weeks back, as opposed to Zach Wilson. You've got Trevor Simeon in your building. Why not give him a try? Fair question. You know, it's uh, like I said, he, he, I don't know. You got me. I'm, I'm going to plead the fifth on all this one in terms of just, I kind of explained it, you know, yeah. respectfully, obviously, but, mm-hmm. but it's a valid, they're valid questions, but, and I know, and I know from a passionate fan, from fans who are passionate, all having the same questions, I respect it greatly, you know, but it's, I've got to look at it from a global standpoint and just see where we are and, and look at the all 22 the best I can and, and make the decisions best as possible. So that's, uh, that's alarming. That's alarming to hear that kind of an answer from a head coach, Joseph. Well, I mean, what it... What I don't expect global... him to slam him, okay? I don't expect any of that, but that's a coach who is protecting somebody else here. Yeah, I mean, it's clearly not his call. If it was his call, he would tell you exactly why he's riding with him or why he'd be making a change. If he gives you an answer like that, it's clear that it's, you know, it's not my decision to make, so I'm going to play it diplomatically. And I think that's what the, from a global perspective means. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, did you notice how that was part of the, the phrasing? Yeah. You know, I got to step back and look at it. Can we play that part of it again, gentlemen, where he mentions how from he's got to look at it from a global perspective? You've got we Trevor need- Simeon in your building. Why not give him a try? Fair question. You know, it's uh, like I said, he, he, I don't know. You got me. I'm, I'm going to plead the fifth on all this one in terms of just, I kind of explained it, you know, yeah. respectfully, obviously, but, mm-hmm. but it's a va- they're valid questions, but, and I know, and I know from a passionate fan, from fans who are passionate, all having the same questions, I respect it greatly, you know, but it's, I've got to look at it from a global standpoint and just. See- okay. Take that. We're good. We're good. A global standpoint. So we got to see how it plays in Sweden. Yeah. We got to see how it plays in uh, South Korea. Like what, it, what is. I think that's just basically a way of saying big picture. That's how I have to look at it. And it really doesn't matter what I say. It's coming. This decision's coming from someone else, right? Because if you have full autonomy, could you imagine Kyle Shanahan saying that? Mm. No. no, no, I could Nick not. Sirianni. You know, I don't know why we're still rolling with Jalen hurts. I'll, I'll, I'll have to get back to you on that. Mm. That when you have to get back to someone on something, it means you need to do some more research on it. I think we've all seen the tape on Wilson. We all know what the situation is, so it's clearly someone else's call, and that's okay. I mean, if that's the way they're running things with New York, how, how alarming is that to you? If, if the head coach can't make the call on who the quarterback is? I'm purely speculating here, okay? Okay. Just call it my own speculation of watching the Jets organization and how it has functioned for 25 years, up close in New York. I don't think it's Joe Douglas. You see what the relationship is between – Joe Douglas and Robert Sala, it's pretty, pretty close. And this is not a GM who is still trying to prove that Zach Wilson can play. 
that's that's not what's going on here because wh- having watched him in Philadelphia as a director of player personnel and a guy in New York now, he wants to win games in the worst way. And if he thinks that Zach Wilson is not their best opportunity, he's going to voice that. I think this purely speculation, I don't think there's any question that Aaron Rodgers and Woody Johnson are having discussions. And I, if I had to guess... I'm saying that Aaron Rodgers is a one telling Woody Johnson, you need to keep playing Zach. And the reason is, you got to remember a couple of things. Number one, Aaron Rodgers and Zach Wilson have had a relationship since back when Zach was in college at BYU. I did the bowl game years ago uh, where Zach lit it up in the, uh, you know, in the Boca Raton Bowl. And leading up to that game, we talked to Zach and he was talking about his relationship with Aaron Rodgers and how much he had helped him at the time. So Aaron's always liked the kid, and I'm sure that it goes something like this. Aaron says to Woody, listen, this kid, if you bring somebody in right now who's really going to push him, it's going to ruin him completely, and if you trust me on this, this is going to be more about Zach developing and getting better, but we got to keep his confidence up. And if you bring somebody else in who is – not necessarily going to be pushing him, but somebody that is going to be campaigning for the starting job pretty quickly, a la, you know, I don't know, Carson Wentz, then we are just going to completely blow the doors off this kid. And if you're trying to set this kid up to succeed me after this is over in two years, well, you can't afford to do that. If the thought process in any way, shape, or form is that Wilson will at some point be a competent NFL quarterback, the thought process is severely flawed. Absolutely it is. Severely flawed. You've seen everything you need to see. 30 games, 29 starts. He's completing 56% of his passes, 20 touchdowns, 23 interceptions. He shows no awareness. He takes too many sacks. He commits too many turnovers. He fails to make plays. He doesn't look like a kid who understands the offense. It is what it is. If Rodgers is defending him, trying to get him more reps because maybe this will help him down the line, I applaud the fact that he's trying to help the kid out. But there's no reason, absolutely none to believe, that in any world, at any time in the future, he is going to develop into a competent NFL quarterback. It's not happening. You've Joe, seen all you need to see. There's nothing there. I, I, I'm going to let you in on a little something here. NFL head coaches want to win games. <laughs> and they understand that breaking, they have to put the players news. on the field that give them the best opportunity to win. No doubt in my mind that Rodgers is telling Woody Johnson, this guy's got to continue to play right now. Otherwise, you're going to lose him completely, and that shouldn't even matter. 